Before we jump into the show, I would like to thank my patrons for their continuous support. If you would like to be a supporter of the show or Neo Marais in general, please go to patreon.com slash thomasdaam and find there all the tiers available. And now, without any further ado, here's the show. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Neo Marais Show. My name is Thomas Daam. I'm an independent graphic designer and creator of Neo Marais, an online calendar showing the best design conferences and events on a digitalized world. In this podcast, I talk with event organizers, speakers and other creatives to find out what makes them tick. And today I'm at Graphic Matters in Breda. Graphic Matters is founded in 2008 um, and shows every two years how designers shape and influence our perspective on current issues that matter. Sitting with me in this uh, nice office is uh, Dennis Elbers and he's the founder and curator of the festival. And uh, Dennis, thank you for being on the show. And uh, we are in the middle of the the festival. I just walked around and see all the exhibitions, uh, which is... um, Pretty amazing to see uh, what you accomplished. And uh, the theme of this year is um, um, information superpower. And can you explain how you came to this theme and what it implies? Over the years, we've dealt with um, infographics, uh, database in, in various shows, uh, often as sort of a single part. 2015, uh, we made a show co-curated by uh, Thomas Klaver, which was called uh, Every Data. So the, the whole data viz uh, was already in our sort of DNA. And currently it feels like there's this explosion of data viz. Like, you know, you see graphs, charts, infographics everywhere. I see a lot of shitty ones as well. Uh, so we thought, you know, let's you know, have a closer look and, and also what does it take for designers to create um, uh, good information graphics but also how is the reader challenged because we look at all these uh, information graphics as if they are regular images Uh, but i think you need to do a bit more effort in reading them and also to sort of make people aware of this uh, we thought it would be a nice theme to emphasize on and while we were researching and and connecting with uh, the, the, the leading people in the industry. We found out that there's so much going on. So yeah, it's not really difficult to create a whole uh, series of events based on this theme. And um, the, the only difficulty is to present this in a way that um, it interests people because it's so ordinary stuff. You know, they, they see these kind of uh, visuals every day, mm-hmm. everywhere. So how to, how can we make the ordinary sound really special? Right. And how did you do that? Well, we, we try to set up a, a different type of program than we used to do. We mm-hmm. used to have a lot of events that created the program and they were all sort of equal. And now we set up this main show, which works as a sort of uh, umbrella under which every other uh, program um, uh, event will uh, um, uh, you know it, it covers it all and then there's specialist detail uh, master classes exhibitions uh, workshops whatever that, that go into more detail mm-hmm. uh, so by creating one huge 
because it's huge uh, show on the subject. Um, yeah, I think we give an interesting overview of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, not just now, because uh, many people think like this whole data viz because it's such a hype right now. Uh, they all think it's very current because of the digitized world. You know, everything is data. Uh, it's collected everywhere. It, uh, we we store so much data. It's, it's even too much to comprehend. Um, but in the exhibition, we try to show you that this is not a very current thing. This is already going on for for centuries, mm-hmm. and uh, the way we deal with it changes. But uh, the necessity to deal with it, uh, yeah, that, that's still very uh, mm-hmm. that's an urgent matter. Um, so there was a lot of fun, like looking in the past, um, looking into uh, the present, but also the future of data viz. Um, finding out that data was something that was mainly connected to the nerds and the researchers, the scientists, the people that had access to data and these days everyone can have access to data so Mm -hmm. it's opening up and also the way we deal with the visuals like um, more and more designers are dealing with it more and more clients uh, uh, want you to deal with it Um, so uh, I think looking at the amount of data being stored and uh, the, the importance that uh, companies uh, attach to this whole idea of data collection and uh, analysis, um, yeah, there will be a lot of work in this field in the future. Mm-hmm. So to express this right now uh, makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, we found out that data is often used as a sort of final conclusion. Like, you know, if the data tells you it's like this, it's like this. And I really like the notion of humanizing data, uh, like also Georgia Lupi is, is expressing, but also you know, having the data as a conversation starter rather than a conclusion. Uh, so part of the show really focuses on how data can be used to have conversations about current issues. Mm-hmm. In the show I saw a big blown up installation, and yeah. but you also have animated installations. Oh, yeah, we, we try to explore the variety of, of media in which data can be expressed. And mm-hmm. of course, like we're all thinking about the digital or the print, but also the physical, like three-dimensional mm-hmm. uh, data can be made, uh, turned into a three-dimensional object as well. And we have some nice examples. Um, the one that you mentioned is the, the inflatable uh, sculpture by uh, 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 Stefan Sagmeister, which is pretty straightforward, uh, yeah, it's a bar graph, uh, inflated, um, funny story to it, uh, I know that the piece existed, I once seen a photo of it, it was hard to find on the internet, it was made about 20 years ago, um, commissioned by Ben from Ben & Jerry's, who was then leading a group of, of people that were uh, addressing this issue that the uh, American government was spending a lot of money on on, uh, on defense and, and on, on military stuff and not so much on education and they wanted to show uh, how much actually the US and its allies were spending uh, on the military uh, compared to um, Russia, China and the evil stage mm-hmm. uh, it was the time of George Bush being a president and was a, a, yeah, a lot of fear being used to spend the money. So this, this thing was used for rallies or whatever, and then um, 
it was locked in a in in, in a basement in New York. Uh, we managed to find it. It was shipped here. We blew some air in it, and it really it smelled like awful. <laughs> Like it's been sitting in a closed container for like 20 years and the, the smell is like somebody just puked in the box and then mm. closed it. It was like horrible. So we were like, oh, we really want to, you know, present this work. But if we present it, like nobody will enter the space. <laughs> so um, it, w- it went into a huge washing machine, that the, the, the kind of washing machine they use for hot air balloons, like mm-hmm. three times and with a lot of additional cleaning and, f- and fragrance stuff so now it smells really nice and can be presented and it's it's quite big I think the the, the height of the ceiling is like six meters but the mm-hmm. sculpture is even taller so yeah. it's sort of squashed in between um, but then we found out when, uh, when we blow it up that the, the text on the on the grass was uh, was altered and that there was a different message being expressed than initially uh, was used so there you see that you know, graphs are often used to express a point and, and many people don't watch it them critically. Uh, they just see an image that seems to be proving the point of the, this politician or, or activist or whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And this what what, uh, happened, what happened to this piece as well. Uh, they changed the text, uh, connected to a new campaign and, you know, it was a graph and it could be transported and it was blow up. So, so this is like really uh, what I'm trying to say is that looking really closely at the information that mm-hmm. is provided, checking the, who's behind the information, who's sending it, why do they want me to believe this kind of story and what data is used or what data is not used. Because mm-hmm. if you leave certain stuff out, you can direct uh, towards a, cer- a certain conclusion, of course. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a thing we try to emphasize to mm-hmm. our audience. Yeah. And um, I think there's no way of being objective in, in DataVis. You have to make choices uh, uh, depending on the kind of story you want to tell. But as a designer, you, you have influence on this. And, mm-hmm. and uh, also to be aware of what your uh, commissioners want to tell you or what you want to tell the world. You, know, you, you can make decisions uh, that are design decisions. Uh, that influence how other people see the world because when they see the graph you know they just go for it it's, mm-hmm. it's like it's truth yeah right it's it's one second oh yeah i understand this graph the height or whatever and then yeah and that, that's what we try to tell people like uh, i think understanding images works really fast um, but it should not be used to save time Especially reading data this requires actually a bit more time, but if you put the effort in, then you will see you will learn a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, and probably a lot more than uh, what you thought at the first glance. That's why we have so many different themes in the exhibition. Yeah, it should feel like you're walking through this big uh, three-dimensional discovery channel and there's different topics everywhere that are visualized in a very interesting way and either the, the subject or the way it's visualized should draw you into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you can discover how did the designer deal with this issue, but also what's the message and, and who's it, uh, mm-hmm. uh, who's, who's the sender. While curating this uh, exhibition, did you also notice that you started reading differently the information layers or? Well, th- th- yeah, um, especially can't... after after uh, my co-curator uh, Sven Eman, he, he wrote a nice sort of 
how to uh, read database uh, instruction manual. Uh, and I think it, uh, it really helps you to um, look for clues really fast. Uh, and this helps you to determine whether you want to dive into it or not. I think with some database, people are, are, are getting lost from the start. Mm -hmm. And they might doubt themselves, like, okay... Why do you think they get lost? Maybe the, the, the image is just too complicated. <coughs> mm -hmm. So uh, it's hard for them to, to see what it is about and what, what decisions to make. So being very clear in the visuals you use will help mm -hmm. others to really read yeah. the information. Yeah. So what you're saying is you need a guide to read visual visualization of some sort of... Yeah, maybe not a guide, but it's like, you know, in schools, we teach the children uh, how to read and write. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone from a young age get learned to how to dissect a, a text and find the essence. But for a reading image, we don't learn this. Mm -hmm. So when the images become more complex, like mm -hmm. DataViz, you know, you need to spend a bit more time or you need to... Uh, be aware of the type of clues you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Just like when you're reading a text. You can speak a language, only a limited number of words, but you can make up from context what it means, you know. And that's the same with, with looking at image. I think you just, uh, you know, if you're aware of the clues, then mm -hmm. uh, you, you'll be able to work it out. But since nobody is really trained in doing so, because we all think, you know, we have a pair of eyes so we can see, so that's covered. I think we should spend a bit more time in, in learning to read images, mm -hmm. especially if they become more and more complicated or more and more fake. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same discussion with the covers of the magazines that have a lot of Photoshop. Like mm -hmm. everyone just sees them as, as the truth. Yeah, that's true. You see also a shift in the way the data visualization is used. Yeah, uh, at first it was mainly used by trained people. So they knew what they were looking at and mm -hmm. they, they know about the data and the VIS helped them to understand it better. But mm -hmm. now uh, the data VIS is aiming for a broader uh, audience that doesn't know uh, a lot about the subject yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What you see throughout history is that there were certain attempts to uh, create like this universal uh, visual language. Mm -hmm. But then it didn't work out because emotion was not taken into account. Mm -hmm. And for instance, that's why I really love uh, that we have some work by Fritz Kahn in the exhibition, who was a doctor. A uh, hundred years ago, when people were illiterate, uh, mainly working in factories, he wanted to express how the body worked to the people that didn't know anything about the body yet. Mm -hmm. So he came up with the, the, the visual metaphor of the, the body as a factory. Mm -hmm. because they were all working in factories uh, they knew the processes they knew the machines so if they would see their inner body as a, as a factory then they would understand how it functioned and, and this is a famous quote of his is with like maybe it's not 100% accurate but it's 100% clear mm -hmm. so that he made this design decision he was not a designer he was a doctor but he had illustrators doing uh, uh, the work really made the decision to not try to be telling everything into detail mm -hmm. but explaining the, the most elementary uh, part of the story uh, in, in a way that people can relate to it 
And I think that's the most important part about the whole data phase. Why do you look at a certain image for a longer period? Because you have some sort of relationship with it. Mm -hmm. Like there's an emotional tie to it. Mm -hmm. Do you see that the influence of the designer changed over the years? Well, it's funny to see like uh, we have um, this timeline called the information path that's mm -hmm. leading up to the exhibition. Uh, so it's a 600 meter long walk. And it shows you 15 highlights of, of information design. Mm -hmm. And these were all images created by people that were not designers. Because, you know, it was pre-World War II. They, they were biologists, economists, doctors, researchers. Mm -hmm. From their uh, work, they, they had a need to visualize information in order to understand better. So that, that's where you see uh, that this... Need was already there. Well, later on, uh, after the Second World War, when when the design practice came into being, um, there, I think for a long time there was a gap between the design community and the and the scientists that needed the visualizations, mm -hmm. and and only now, recently in in the, the past few years, this gap has been sort of connected. Mm -hmm. um, and, and more, more people start working with it. And I think it's interesting to see that you can see that the, yeah, the way we deal with it is, is changing. Um, sometimes more personal, if, the, if analog uh, techniques are used, uh, but also more dramatical because you really want to convince Al Gore using a lot of data viz in uh, Inconvenient Truth. Uh, um, uh, but also the politicians holding up uh, uh, graphs in their debates right now. Uh, the, there's a new function for mm -hmm. this data viz uh, mm -hmm. uh, um, arising. And uh, it can be also more playful. Um, look at all the news outlets. I really like how NOS of 3, uh, it's not just the news. It's not about telling facts that happened, but also creating context so you understand why this event is important mm -hmm. or what uh, or how it came to be mm -hmm. and um, that's the interesting thing about the whole visualization that you can show the context and 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 give meaning to events that the same with climate uh, uh, change 0.2 degree uh, rise in temperature you don't feel it you don't really care about it but if you see a graph over a longer period of time you can sort of sense that there's something wrong and mm. that there's something needing to change. Mm. So I think this is the power of what, what DataVis can do, mm. provide you with context mm -hmm. that would be lost in the everyday events. Mm -hmm. Is it also because of the attention spent in general that we have? Yeah, that, definitely. That, that data visualization is more current because it helps you explain yeah. in two seconds or five seconds. There, there's more and more information that we need to process. Mm -hmm. uh, we have less and less time. You know, we're just continuously scrolling. Like mm -hmm. we're scrolling all day long on the screen, uh, uh, in your surroundings, whatever you hear, you're also mm -hmm. scrolling. And you pick up the stuff that somehow appeals to you. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's also one of the reasons why this database is really important that you somehow you know you get the information you need and it doesn't get lost in this continuous uh, scroll mm -hmm. uh, but then again this whole idea of, of time you know we all want to understand stuff quickly so mm -hmm. that's why we don't read books anymore but i think data phase won't replace text or, or whatsoever it, it can just show more complex situations mm -hmm. in a more clear way
yeah. like something that's hard to explain by text can easily explain by image. Uh, and sometimes we've come across uh, infographics or data vis that we thought, no, well, the text was clear enough. But you know, we don't need the visual. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's uh, <laughs> another story. Um, I think it's dangerous to think that you can save time by looking at database. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you have to know who's the sender, what was the... Yeah, the you have to really it. think about it and, 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 and consider the clues. Um, and um, uh, But that I think that's in general more the danger of this whole rush we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's why we look at images uh, just briefly, uh, connect them to our own stories. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is that we almost play Cluedo. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. Just, uh, and, yeah, and, and, and not everything is what it seems to be. Right. What I found interesting in, in the exhibition is that it, you get also a general knowledge of the world through yeah. what you show in the exhibition. Yeah. For information <coughs> superpower, uh, we start with the idea of, okay, uh, uh, DataVis is not new. It's not, it doesn't have to do with the digital uh, society. Mm-hmm. It's been around for a longer time. But, you know, data was for nerds. It's now for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, data can also be tricky, you know, mm-hmm. can be dirty. Uh, so you have to be aware of what, what's going on. Yeah. And you can use data to tell stories. And then there's like three chapters. And the first one starts with how designers can contribute to make complex situations uh, more clear. So it's about very complex um, uh, contexts that are uh, visualized in a way that you can really understand. And then the second part is about um, visualizing the invisible. And uh, that's the part I, I really like because it's, it's like magic. You know, what, what a designer can do to make you aware of all the stuff that you usually don't see. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's what I find really interesting. And then the third part, which is actually the largest part of the exhibition, um, about half of it, is about how um, uh, these visuals can give context. And this is never objective, this is always subjective, but it's really interesting to see what stories can be told through data mm-hmm. and how in different times uh, we can relate to this. Mm-hmm. Next to all the exhibitions that are here, you have several um, masterclasses where people can apply to and um, learn all kinds of stuff. Can you tell a little bit about why you do this? and? Mm-hmm. How this fits in the in the whole festival? Yeah, well, um, we were always about presenting, so it was either in public space or in exhibition spaces that we presented um, yeah, examples that we thought were worth presenting. Uh, if you organize an event like this, is it's also about uh, people meeting each other and sharing knowledge, and. In the past, we worked with like conferences, but there's already so many conferences going on, and we always try to be sort of upfront. So we had the people that were not very famous yet, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it was very stressful just to having to, to sell a lot of tickets for one day, and oh. so were, were a lot of practical points, but but mainly, like we wanted to stimulate uh, young designers to uh, to learn the, the things they don't learn in in art school mm-hmm. and uh, and to learn from people that are 
right in the middle of this practice, like international experts that can share their knowledge. <coughs> um, so that's why we, we set up the, the master classes mm-hmm. um, funded by the Keep an Eye Foundation and uh, we had the opportunity to organize four master classes with leading experts. People could enlist, um, there were only 15 spots per masterclass and most were uh, like we had the double uh, uh, numbers in, in subscribe uh, subscriptions. Uh, it's a three-day course, so it's mm. pretty intense. It's mm. not just a day rocking up and having some nice talks, but uh, yeah, you really have to work. Um, but yeah, we've seen some awesome results, but mainly like, you know, to be able to... to connect with this person that is maybe your your um, idol, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or at least a design icon that mm-hmm. you um, um, appreciate a lot. And, and now you're working with them, you're sharing knowledge, you can ask questions, there's no stupid questions. So, you mm-hmm. know, you really learn from, from the best. And, and they've learned from the experience, you know, mm-hmm. they get maybe questions they, they recognize from their own uh, practice or, or they get new insights because you're dealing with it in a, in a different manner. Mm-hmm. And to have this here in this space, in the context of the exhibitions, you know, you can go and visit the show in between or uh, connect with the other participants. So it's, it's really a great addition to our program. Um, and. I'm pretty happy that we can continue these master classes also in the in the years where there's no graphic matters event uh, planned. So mm-hmm. you know that really helps us as an organization also to become more um, yeah continuous. Mm-hmm. And can you already share what's coming next? Uh, well, unfortunately, we had to cancel the the, the workshop with the Market Cafe magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we rescheduled this for next year. So mm-hmm. that will definitely be on the on the list. And we're talking to some very nice people from Switzerland uh, to do a workshop in poster design. So you know, we try to look at current stuff, but also to provide cool experiences that you really want to be part of. Yeah, yeah. And one of the cool experiences that you next to Traffic Matters organized is Blind Walls in Reda. You invite artists, illustrators, and you ask them to uh, paint a wall, yeah. like a blind wall. Four years ago during Graphic Matters, we had one of the events in the program was uh, a couple of murals being made, and we came up with the concept of a Blind Walls Gallery. So we would uh, create murals uh, inspired by stories that connect to the location. So often these were very local stories, sometimes historical, sometimes more current, um, that inspired the, the, um, the illustrator, the designer, the artist to create a mural. Mm-hmm. And yeah, people in Veda really like this. And um, we had the opportunity to turn this into an ongoing project. So instead of, you know, making part of the festival each edition, we could um, uh, continue this throughout the year. Since then, we have almost created 100 murals. Uh, so it's about 18 per year, uh, ranging from 30 centimeters tall to 30 meters tall. Um, uh, some are, are big collaborative projects, others are just uh, individual paintings, but every mural is connected to a local story. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So we're still expanding this. Uh, it's an ongoing project. Uh, we have a lot of people touring it. Uh, but yeah, the great thing is we get artists to work with us like um, yeah, continuously. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we have the opportunity to invite them to come to Breda to paint here and uh, be, become part of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so this is now sort of 50% of what the team can work on mm-hmm. uh, and the other half is uh, of course graphic matters and, and the, the spin-offs we have on an international level uh, so this allows us to, to uh, develop the organization and become more and more professional mm-hmm. and uh, so that's the, I'm super happy with the, yeah. how this all evolved I lived for a very long time in Breda and um, now when I cycle through Breda I see the murals and it's really giving a positive effect to the whole city. It's not the decoration of the city. You yeah. give something to the... Yeah, and often we, we try to work in places that really need some attention. Mm-hmm. And especially working with the people in the neighborhood, uh, creates ambassadors, makes them really proud of, of the mural. They're all inspired by, by their stories. So, um, yeah, people feel pride in the project. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's really nice, but it also really changes the way you perceive the city Mm -hmm. Um, I think it wasn't the most exciting city for years but now with these large-scale murals that appear so often yeah you get a total different vibe Mm -hmm. and uh, apparently uh, uh, many people uh, they feel the same and they come and visit Leda uh, which is also good for us as as graphic matters you know Mm -hmm. we have a really nice combination you can visit uh, the exhibition and the events here and then you know you can uh, have a tour on your own or, or with our guides uh, to see Blind Walls Gallery um, and it really creates a creative atmosphere uh, mm. in the city. To take it a little bit broader, uh, you do this now for 10 years, 11 years now, this yeah. is the 7th yeah. edition and do you see a, a change in how um, graphic design or visual design in general has changed. What I can definitely see is that um, back in, in 2008 designers were less confident with working on self-commissioned projects. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they were often waiting for clients and then they would go to work um, but now there's more designers that like to tell their own stories and they start their own uh, self-initiated projects. Mm-hmm and sometimes they lead to very distinct practice so that's that's what we really try to stimulate is that designers work on the issues that matter they they create the, their self-initiated projects and, and if we can provide a stage for them to present these projects in order to start their own uh, practice in a very specific direction mm-hmm. that's our main aim mm-hmm. um, so by being able to present young designers, commission new work by them, yeah, that, that's for us more interesting than showing existing commercial work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think that um, yeah, what is changing is that uh, designers actually want to spend time on, on doing this, uh, that they have less difficulty finding subjects to, to deal with, um, and that yeah, there's major changes in, in, in distribution. You don't need the client, you don't need high volume print to reach yeah. a lot of people. So yeah. all these changes are connected to this mm-hmm. to this change of the more autonomous practice of, uh, of designers. 
and uh, that's something we like to encourage very mm. much. There's this similarity with people who are coders and they want to make their own digital product yeah. and then they are traveling around the world. So I see like what you're telling, I see a lot of comparison with people they just start yeah. and make something. Oh yeah, I think maybe in, in this day and time it's about the, 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 the impact you as an individual can have on, mm-hmm. on society. And there's a variety of tools you can use, whether mm-hmm. it be coding or designing or, you know, we, we try to make what's, what's best uh, for our context. Cool. It's nice to see that individual people can have an influence or an yeah. impact on... You know, it's, it's <coughs> on for the coders, it's for the designers, but also for the, the guys that paint the murals. You right. know, if, if they can turn a smile to someone's face, uh, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's major impact. Yeah, exactly. Um, to round up, I um, always end my um, interviews with uh, Neon5, which is uh, a single recommendation in five categories. Mm-hmm. And um, let's start with a book. A book. Well, my, my personal favorite is uh, a book that's been only published in Dutch uh, by Peter Pontiac. It's called Kraut. <coughs> it's a graphic novel, which I think is, is like the best uh, ever written. Uh, but uh, for the research to stay on topic, I very much enjoyed uh, Sandra Renkin's uh, History of Information Graphics. Mm-hmm. It's a, a six kilo book by, by Taschen, uh, but it's it's super interesting, well researched, well written. So, yeah. Ah, cool. Um, <coughs> next is a movie. Well, actually, uh, yesterday I, I, I went to see The Joker and oh. um, I haven't been to the cinema for a very long time, mm-hmm. but I needed to spend some time with my wife because <laughs> we didn't see each other for weeks since it's so busy here. Um, so we decided to see The Joker and it was a, I was impressed. It was a very good uh, uh, movie. Uh, interesting also to see that we try to hide away the people that are different mm-hmm. and that there's no space for them in our society and we either give them pills or we lock them up uh, in, uh, in, instead of you know give them maybe some attention uh, mm. that could help okay mm, uh, food food <laughs> well to be a bit on topic uh, we're here uh, in uh, what we call half a quartier and very near is the Asian supermarket which has a mm-hmm. very nice takeaway uh, counter uh, so that's definitely our favorite these weeks ah okay um, music oh I didn't really have time to, to listen to anything lately um, my desk is opposite Stein and he, he uh, listens to uh, a, a lot of sort of punk rock noise kind of stuff and uh, it keeps me going these days right 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 <laughs> up tempo yes ah okay and the uh, last one is uh, miscellaneous something from your life you would recommend uh, something I would recommend um, <laughs> well I recommend myself to take a, a couple of days off uh, soon so yeah. uh, this is definitely something I recommend everyone like you know make make time uh, to just do nothing mm-hmm. um, you needed to relax but also what I my experience is if you quit doing stuff you don't really like um, then you can replace this time by doing something that's really valuable mm-hmm. uh, so uh, yeah that's that's one of the most important lessons I've learned stop doing stuff you don't like and start doing stuff you do like oh wow great 
that's that's what you always should do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should, but uh, actually doing it and right. is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Okay, then, Dennis. Thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. Really great. It was a pleasure. Hi, it's Thomas. New episodes come out on Mondays. You can subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, neomare.com or wherever you listen to the show. Let me know what you think of the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or by dropping a note on Twitter. I'm at Thomas Daam, at Neomare, and on Instagram at Neomare Show. If you are listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast and you find some episode notes. Next to that, Neomare has a weekly newsletter called Neo Monday with the latest conference news and updates on our digitalized world. You can sign up for Neo Monday at neomare.com slash subscribe. And now we also have a big Patreon page and you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash Thomas Dam. Thanks for listening.